0: dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and I'm alone again on this one. I know we just did a radio show a few months ago, but the last few weeks have been crazy. Lydia has been in the process of moving state to state and buying a house and taking a cruise. And I got hammered by allergies or a head cold. I don't know. I'm in Cincinnati. It could have been either or both. I had thought about bringing in a guest host from another podcast, but the news of the unexpected death of Vince Rotolo threw the entire podcast community for a loop. For those who weren't aware of Vince, he created and hosted the B-Movie cast for nearly a decade now. That show helped lay the groundwork for many other podcasts and their hosts. My My selected guest was helped immensely by Vince when he first got his show off the ground. We were all saddened and needed some time to process everything. Of course, the thoughts and sympathies from everyone at Orphan Entertainment continued to go out to Vince's wife, Mary, his friends and co-hosts, Nick and Juan, and all the fans of his amazing show. Okay, all that being said, without really any way to segue out of it... I do want to remind everybody that you can su- subscribe to Orphan Entertainment via iTunes. And now we are available on Google Play. I don't know if you guys heard this, but Google now does podcasts, and we are on there. Any comments or feedback you want to give us, a couple of different ways you can do that. Orphan Entertainment at gmail.com is a great place to send an email, or an mp3 of your thoughts would be great. We did actually receive an email that I, I do want to read, but it's something... It cover something that Lydia and I covered, so I'm going to wait for the next time when Lydia and I are together. You can come by our Facebook group. Uh, go to, Just go to Facebook.com and search for Orphan Entertainment. You'll find our group there. And uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel uh, when we cover films and not radio. I always make sure to post the film on that page so you get a chance to watch it before you listen to the podcast. Okay, we'll take a quick break here and we'll get back. I'll tell you about the shows we're going to talk about today.
1: Do you enjoy movies like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler? <laughs> Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and The Time Tunnel? Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights? into some of your favorite movies. If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases, new DVDs to add to your collection, and, of course, the old classics, both good and bad. He even interviews people throughout B-moviedom, so tune into B Movie Cast at bmoviecast.com.
0: Well, I've stumbled onto a great show for you this time. Academy Award. This was a radio show that aired from March to December of 1946. As the title suggests, the broadcast focused on films, the stars, and the writers that had won or been nominated for the Academy Award. As you can imagine, it was an expensive show to produce. The stars could cost as much as $4,000 a week, and there was another $1,600 that went each week to the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences just for the use of their name in the show's title. Uh, I did a little math, and in 2016 money, that comes in a little under $75,000 to air a 30-minute program, assuming it was just one celebrity. Uh, The high price tag was probably the biggest reason the show had a shorter run as it did. Well, this month I'm bringing you two programs from Academy Award. The first one, I couldn't resist this one. We just covered the film The Front Page. Well, here we have Pat O'Brien and Adolph Menjou reprising their roles in this radio adaptation. Keep an ear out for what and how they condense some of the story to fit the 30-minute slot, and notice that despite it being trimmed by nearly an hour, it's still a fun and brilliant story.
2: House of Squibb, manufacturing chemist to the medical profession since 1858, brings you Academy Awards. The pictures, the players, the techniques and skills which won or been nominated for, the coveted awards granted each year by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences to each in his field for outstanding achievements. Yay! Of Squibb, makers of the great family of Squid medicinal products, today brings you two distinguished stars, Pat O'Brien and Anna Monjou, in the famous story of newspaper life front page, which was nominated as Best Production of the Year for the 1931 Academy Award. Mr. O'Brien and Mr. Monjou will play the same roles they created for the screen, in which Mr. Monjou was also nominated as Best Actor of the Year for the 1931 Academy Award. <laughs> estate, which would prove that man didn't know when he was well off and only had three estates. This is the story of a good newspaper man who wanted to get married and go to New York, of his tyrannical and resourceful managing editor who wanted him to stay being a newspaper man, and of other assorted matters pertaining to the case, including a guy who was to get hanged in the morning. Duffy. Yeah, well, did you find Johnson? No, Mr. Burns, not yet. We've tried all the spoons and other places that you and Mr. Johnson usually go to, but... The word is not go to, it is frequent. We frequent places. Frequently. But, but I've had Hildy Johnson or else get your laundry out of your desk and get out of the city room. I'll put another man on. In your hat, Duffy. I'm after that bunch of lily-livered, Fox, marked peanut politicians who think they're running this town. And Hildy Johnson's the only man on the staff that I can trust. And I've got to have somebody at... hanging in. The We've place. got to have Johnson... Hello. Duffy. What? What do you mean he's getting married? Who's getting married? Johnson. He can't do that to me. Where is he? Okay. Where is he? In some stretch? No, a balloon. Good, good. He's getting up his courage. He's still got a chance. I'll get over there right away. Okay, boss. Well, Hildy. So you're leaving me for marriage. Why? None of your business. Well, how did it happen, Hildy? Tell Papa Burns. There was a moon. Oh, I guess that lets me out. Well, I'll give you a farewell party. Thanks, Walter. But it hurts, Hildy. Stop telling a fellow. After all I've done for you. Hmm. You mean after all you've done to me. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, Walter, a guy's got to settle down sometime. Get a home, wife. That's right, Hildy. I was never big enough to let a nice girl reform me. So I could stay in a two-room love nest at nights and walk the floor with a crying kid when the fellows are out having a lot of fun. Marriage does make a respectable citizen out of a man. It must be grand. You never have to worry about a place to go. You always know you're going home. None of this jumping around at all hours, having to be inside of all the crazy excitement in this town. To 5:15 out to some suburb. A home cooked dinner at exactly 7:30 every night, and in bed by 10. Unless after the tapioca, your friends drop in for a neighborly chat. I don't blame you, Hildy. It sounds great. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, Walter. I I just thought of something. Two more, Mr. Burns? Yes, Mike. Fill them up. Well, that fixes Hildy Johnson's wagon, all right. No woman's going to steal the best man I've got. Uh, Mr. Burns. Yes, Mike. Mr. Johnson said to tell you you should put that line on a Vic Troller record and play it for some country boy. He's getting married. Why that dirty double-crossing rat?
3: Give me my hat!
2: Restroom, criminal courts building. No, no, Mabel isn't here. Endicott speaking. Oh, hello, Mr. Burns. Why, no, no, we haven't seen him. Hiya, slave. Hiya, Hiya, big shot. Just a minute, Mr. Burns. Somebody just came in. Hildy, hey, Hildy Johnson. What? Listen, Hildy, will you do me a personal favor and talk to Waller? He's called up about nine million times. What's the matter, Hildy? You scared him? I'll talk to that maniac with pleasure. Hello, Mr. Burns. Why, The language is shocking, Mr. Burns. Listen, you crazy baboon, get a pencil and paper and take this down. Get it straight because it's important. It's the Hilly Johnson curse. The next time I see you, no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I'm going to walk right up to you and hammer on that monkey skull of yours till it rings like a Chinese gong. Oh, boy. That's <laughs> yeah, telling him. <laughs> listen,
3: Hillary, you tell do yourself double crossing that don't do exactly <laughs> <you can't laughs> Listen, to you right now. Listen, uh, listen,
2: uh, listen Walters. No, I ain't going to cover the hanging. I wouldn't cover Washington crossing the Delaware if he did it all over again. Never mind the hair oil. Won't do me any good this time. Because I'm going to New York. Oh, I didn't tell you that, did I? And if you know what's good for you, you'll stay west of Gary, Indiana. Because a Johnson never forgets... <laughs> And that voice is known as what is telling off the managing editor. Hey, why'd you quit, Hildy? I'm getting married. See Get these railroad tickets here to New York tonight. Tonight? What do you mean three? Me and my girl and her darling Ma.
3: He's in love. What's <laughs> he
2: uh, Does Burns know you're getting married? Does he know he shook hands like a pal Offered to throw me a farewell dinner? Oh, that's his favorite joke, farewell dinner. Sure, he poisons people at him. Oh, honey. Uh, Kenny Tucker, 164, will you? Yeah, uh, he got me in a Polish mics, filled me full of rot gut trying to bust up my marriage. Oh, hello, Peg. Uh, I know, but I uh Oh, you bet I resigned. Yep. On the eleven eighteen tonight. Huh? Oh, the the press room. I just dropped in to say goodbye and I'll be No, not a chance, honey. Got a taxi waiting. Ten minutes. All right. See you guys in a few minutes. I gotta make the rounds and say my farewells. Well, there goes a good guy straight up. To... Well, anyway, I hear he's got a contract with an advertising agency. What doing? Writing poems about ladies' girdles? Who dumped this out of the window on me just now? Uh-oh. We promise not to tell. Ah, Sheriff, it's a spittoon. It was Hilton Johnson, wasn't it? All right, I got a good notion to take this press room away from you. That would be a break. The place is so full of cockroaches now you can't walk. Personally, I don't give a hoot. But how does it look when there's somebody in the death house? How do you suppose he feels listening to all this revelry? Why well, don't you care, Sheriff, how he feels? We're doing everything we can to... to get your whole ticket re-elected next week. Now, well, when Earl Williams drops through that trap tomorrow, it's a million votes. Can we help it if the people rise to support this administration's stand against corruption? Personified by Mr. Earl Williams? Uh, a guy who loses a job he's held for 14 years joins a parade of the unemployed. And because he's goofy from lack of food, waves a red undershirt. Williams is a dangerous radical. And he killed a policeman. Now, wait a minute. Once and for all, Sheriff, will you hang this guy at 5 a.m. instead of 7? It won't hurt you, and we can make a decision. No, no, Roy, you can't hang a fellow in his sleep just to please a newspaper. No, 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 but you can keep postponing a hanging so it'll come just before the election. With this new alien that's coming in, how do we know there'll be a hanging? Yeah. What if the professor finds he's insane or something? He won't find he's insane because he ain't. He's as sane as I am. Ziner. Now, here's a resume of the situation. The newspapers have got to put their shoulders to the wheel. Impress on the radicals that a death warrant for Earl Williams is a death warrant for every bomb-throwing foreigner in this town. Hello, give me the desk. Hey, get this. The sheriff just put 200 more relatives on the payroll to protect the city against the redcoats. Praise my better, Dan. Okay, baby, give me the desk. Hello. The sheriff just received four more letters threatening his life, which he is going to answer by a series of raids. And to prove it's on the square, he's going to write himself four more letters threatening his life. Yeah, I know he wrote them on account of the misspelling. Desk, please. This is McHugh, Joe. More on the Williams hanging. You ready? The condemned man ate a hearty dinner. Mock turtle soup, chicken pot pie, hash brown potatoes, combination salad, and a la mode. Yeah, baby, you better get the rest of this. The condemned man ate a hearty dinner as follows. noodle soup, roast beef, sweet potatoes, cranberry sauce, big hunk of pastrami. Yeah, and make mine the same. Come on, come on, who opened it? I did. Shut up and give out the cards. How many? Five. Well, all set to go, boys. Except to say goodbye to you, bums. I got a dumb brother who went into the advertising business, Hildy. He's got seven kids, belongs to a country club. He gets worse every year, just a fathead. Yeah? Listen, if you want to know something, you'll all end up in the copy desk, gray-headed, humpback, slobs, dodging guarantees when you're 90. Yeah, and you'll be out in the street the minute your contract's up. Not me. My girl's uncle owns the business. Has he got a lot of jack? It's choking him. Look, he gave us 500 in cash for wedding present. There it is, less than what it cost to get the tickets in New York. I still say you're rotten at overstuffed palace t- of blurbs that you're going through. Why, I...
4: Here, what goes on? Williams broke out of the death house. Here, let me get phone. Hurry up. This
2: is, this is important. Hello, Jimmy Rollins. Come on, Come on. Right, give me the
3: death.
2: Right. <laughs> oh, I might have known buying them tickets was bad luck. Hello. Hello, Morning Post. Give me Walter Burns. Burns
4: as an S T I N K.
2: Walter, Billy Johnson, Earl Williams, just ran out of the death house at the county jail. Yeah, yeah, don't worry, Walter. I'm on the job. Yeah, yeah. Call you
3: back.
2: Give me Walter Burns. Walter, listen. I got the whole thing. Got it from Jacoby. Sure, it's exclusive. It's a pip. Well, to get this, it cost me 260 bucks to bribe the guy. The dough my girl gave me to get us to New York. Okay, all right, all right. But don't forget to send that dough. Look, this is the jailbreak of your dreams. This profound thinker, the alien they hired to examine Williams. Yeah, yeah, the one from Vienna. Yeah, well, he decided to make Williams reenact the crime. Shut up and listen. He had to have a gun to reenact it with. And who do you suppose supplied the gun? The sheriff... The sheriff gave his gun to the professor, the professor gave it to earl, and earl shot the professor right in the stomach. The professor's in the hospital, Williams has evaporated, and the sheriff's gone nuts. Ain't it perfect? All the phone wire not that ship, send that door over right now. I just did this as a personal favor. I'm leaving town. No, don't. I don't get married. Tell the guy to hurry with it. I'll wait here. Oh, hello, Peggy.
4: And what was that?
2: Nothing. I was just telling Burns I was through, that's all. Hello, darling.
4: Oh, now, Hildy. You haven't done something foolish with our money. No, no. Then I think I'd better take care of it from now on.
2: Now, sweetheart, it's going to be perfectly all right.
4: And you haven't got it?
2: Uh, No, not this minute, but he's sending it right over. Walter, I mean, he'll be here any minute.
4: Walter? Oh, Hildy, this man makes you do everything he wants. You're just a string around his finger. Oh,
2: baby, listen. I was just here by accident something happened. I
4: had to use some of it to get information. I'll get it back. Look, Hildy, What's downstairs in a taxi cab. I'm just ashamed to face her. If she knew about that money, well, it's all we've got in the world, Hildy. We haven't even got a place to sleep except the train. Well,
2: I'll tell you what. You and Mother go to the station and get the baggage checked. Here's the tickets.
4: You mean you're not coming?
2: Oh, of course I'm coming. I'll meet you both at the information booth.
4: Oh, all that Walter Burns. She simply can't resist him. <laughs>
2: Come on, Hildy, tip on Williams'
4: hideout. We go with the riot squad. Oh, well, okay, wait, wait. Oh, well, you're not going with them. Oh, Peggy,
2: wait for me, the information.
4: Please. Oh, we'll watch downstairs first. You see, you don't go anywhere with the riot okay, squad. Okay,
2: baby, I'll just finish up here for a few minutes and meet you under the clock.
4: All right, Hildy. But if you don't come, I'll never trust you again. So there.
2: Oh, I have to get married on a day like this. Is this the press room? I'm looking for the sheriff. I'm the sheriff. He's certainly a hard fellow to find. Well, what do you want? I'm the mayor. Well, I'm Pincus, a messenger from the state house. This is from the governor. What's from the governor? The reprieve for Earl Williams. For who? Wait a minute. Who else knows about this? Well, they were all standing around when he wrote it. was after they got back from fishing. Get the governor on the phone! They ain't got a phone. They're duck shooting now. Oh, a lot of bastard Nimrods! Pure politics! We gotta think fast before those lying reporters get hold of this. What'll we tell them? Tell them the party is through in this state on account of you. Here, you. What's your name? Pincus. You never arrive with this, whatever it is. Get that? Yes, I did. How much to make a week? How would you like a job for $350 a month? Me? All you have to do is to lay low and keep your mouth shut. Here, go to this address. It's a nice, homey little place. Tell her her Fred sent you. Listen, Burns. I'm waiting here. Where's the guy with my dough? If you try to double-cross me, I'll... Go, holy mackerel, I'm seeing ghosts. Earl Williams just crawled through the window. Hang up, Hang up, I'll call you right back. Williams. I saw you that searchlight went past the window. Drop that gun. It ain't loaded.
5: I fired all the bullets already. I surrender. I couldn't hang under that roof any longer. You know what? I'm not afraid to die. I was telling the fellow that when he handed me the gun. Shut up a second! I locked that door. Waking me up in the middle of the night, talking to me about things they don't understand, calling me a radical. I'm an anarchist. Yeah. It, it's got nothing to do with bombs. It's the philosophy that guarantees every man freedom. Yeah. 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 All those poor people being crushed by the system. All those boys that was killed in the war and in, in the slums. All of those slaves to a crust of bread. I can hear them crying. Well, shut up, will you? Go on. Take me back. Hang me. I done my best.
4: kill me! I know you're in there. Mama says she's tired of waiting.
2: No! Oh, shut up! No, not you, Peggy. Get me the managing editor. Get me Waller Burns, but quick! Hildy,
4: Mama want you to come right down this minute. Oh,
2: Peggy, for but... oh, Waller, something big has happened. I captured Earl Williams in the press room. Get over here right away! <laughs> In just a moment, you will hear the second part of Academy Award. When you ask for a tube of squib Dental Cream, you're really asking for a tube of pure refreshment. There's refreshment in the flavor of squib Dental Cream. It's so cool and tangy, like the taste of tender green mint. There's refreshment in the brisk action of the squib Dental Cream. It wakes up your mouth, leaves teeth and gums feeling delightfully clean. But that isn't all. You can taste, feel, and see the refreshing difference when you use Squibb Dental Cream. It helps to bring out the natural sparkle of your smile because the special polishing agent in this quality dentifrice is one of the safest, softest, yet most effective known to dental science. In every way, Squibb Dental Cream lives up to the famous standard of perfection that distinguishes all the great family of Squibb products. Try Squibb Dental Cream. Taste, feel, and see the refreshing difference. Before we bring you part two of front page, we want to thank the writers of this picture, Ben Hecht and Charles MacArthur, for making the story available. And now the House of Squib presents part two of Academy Awards, starring Pat O'Brien and Al Mongeau in front page. Where's Earl Williams? You bring my money. You'll get your money. Where is he? In that desk.
4: Let me out! I can't stand it. Shut up! You're sitting pretty. For the love of Mike, Mother! What's the matter here? Mickey, oh, It's my girl's mother. What are you doing? Shut up! I won't shut up. You're doing something wrong. What's in there?
2: Oh, Louis, Louis, come in here. Yeah, boss. Take this uh, lady over to Black Mike's and lock her up. See, she doesn't talk to anyone on the way.
4: Well, that's sad. Okay. Oh,
2: Waller, you can't do that. Tell him it's a case of delirium treatment. Listen, Waller, this will get me in a terrific jam. Don't worry, Mother, this is only temporary. Hey, where do you think you're going? What, <sighs> go me. i got to get my girl. Your girl? Why, in time of war, you could be shot for what you're trying to do. I'm oh, nuts! There's your story of that death story. We got the city hall where we want them. We're going to crucify those jerks. We'll keep Williams under cover until morning, so the morning post can break the story exclusively. And we we'll let the governor in on the capture. He can share the glory. Why, you sap. They'll be naming streets after you over this. Yeah. Yeah, but we can't leave Williams here. No. We'll get the boys to move him in that desk over to our office. Get that typewriter. Huh? Start putting out a lead. Come on. Snap into it. How much do you want on it, Waller? Hello. This is Burns. Put Duffy on. Snap into it. What? Hildy. Give me all the words you've got. Hello, Duffy. I want ten huskies over here at the first room right away. Now listen, Duffy. I want you to tear out the whole front page. That's what I said. The whole front page, out. Hildy Johnson, writing the lead. Hildy. What the devil do you want? Hildy. What? You can't come in here, miss. Get out. Listen, darling. Where's Mother? I don't care if there's a million dead, Dovey.
4: Make room for this story. Peggy, i got to ask you to do something. A big favor. You're not coming. Take all those Miss America pictures off page six. Hold it, Dovey. You're doing this to him. He was going and you stopped him. Get out of here. Peggy, I can explain. You'll keep your mouth shut. Hello, Duffy. Dovey. What? I don't
2: care. Jump the Louis Khan Controversy. Fight it. Peggy, you're buying a new Spider i not a jump headed fancy boy.
5: Oh, you never did love me, or you couldn't talk to me that way. I can't stand it in here. I'm smothering to death.
2: Get back in there, you mock turtle. Not you, say. Butch, butch, Oh, this is the end. I don't give a... Don't leave me, Peggy. Keep it coming, Hildy boy. Get the story out. Hello, Butch. Never mind the addition for the mail train. Hold it up. Stop the presses. Listen. You're not working for the advertising department. Keep on this wire. Boss, boss, we hit a patrol wagon. She was on the wrong side of the street. Where's Mother? I should know. She beat it someplace, I guess, or they took her to the morgue. You moron. Didn't you even lock her up someplace? I couldn't, boss. I told you we hit a patsy wagon, and I'm that way with the cops just now. Oh, she's dead, dead. That finishes me. I killed her. I let you send her away. Now, how can I face Peggy? If it was my own mother, I'd carry on for the paper.
3: you got to get me out of this desk. I'm choking. To...
2: Shut up, you. It's better than hanging.
3: There he is, Sheriff. All right,
2: all right, wise guys. Thought you were going to get away with something, didn't you? We yeah. know you got Williams. Yeah, where are you hiding them, you double-crossing heel? Let go of me. My mother is dead. Who do you think you are, busting in here like you? You can't bluff me, Burns. I don't care who you are or what paper you're editor of. Let go of me, Sheriff, or call him, call me, you punks. Hey, he's got a gun. Give me that. I got a right to carry a gun I want. Not this gun. This happens to be the gun that Earl Williams shot his way out with. You're under arrest. Johnson, you two burns. Who's under arrest, you pinhead? You realize what you're doing? Yep. Send for the mayor, boys.
4: I won't make up with him, mother. Who did it, mother? That man they are officer. Mother, are you all right, Mother? That's the idea. What are you cops doing in here?
2: This dame says she was kidnapped.
4: That man was in charge of everything. He told them to kidnap me. Are
2: you referring to me, madam? Ah, kidnapping, eh? And I'll
4: tell you something more. I'll tell you why they did it. Please, Mother!
2: Come on, Hildy, we got to get bailed.
4: I was in here, and they had some kind of a murderer. They were hiding him. They were what? what? Mother, shut up! Madam,
5: You're a cock-eyed liar. Don't shoot. I'm smothered. I give up. Let me out. Uh Uh-huh. Harboring a fugitive from justice. That's him.
4: That's the one they were hiding.
2: Oh, you gray-haired old Judas. Ah, so you got him, eh, Sheriff? Good work. Good work. Yep, Mayor, there they are. Look kind of natural, don't they, with those handcuffs on uh, Sheriff, you're going to wish you'd never been born. <laughs> a sight for sore eyes. Well, it looks like you boys bit off more than you can chew. Yep, looks like about ten years apiece for them. Now oh, go suck your fat head. These guys are going to be in office about two days more than we're pulling their noses out of the feed bags. I sent for the district attorney. You know what you smart boys will be doing? Making brooms at the state pen. I want a lawyer. I got a right to have a lawyer. Hildy, call my lawyer. No lawyers are going to be able to help you, Burns. This is the morning post you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the power of the press. <laughs> Sheriff in here? Yeah, the ugly one. That's your man. Here's your reprieve, uh, Sheriff. Get out of here! You, you can't bribe me. What's this? Get out of here, you! I won't. Here's your reprieve. What? I won't take their graft or their bribes. I'm a family man. Who was bribing you? you. They were wouldn't take the governor's reprieve for Williams. This is a frame-up or oh, murder, huh? You were going to murder Williams.
3: Oh, oh,
2: Mr. Pincus, you are a sturdy character, a really great man. Now, just step right over to this phone and dictate your true story of how the mayor and the sheriff defied an order of the governor of this state, and were going to go ahead and hang a man that had been reprieved. They, so they could make a little character before the election. Step right over here, Mr. Pincus. Oh wait wait a minute, boys. Wait a minute. Maybe we've been too hasty. Let, let's talk this thing over. Take their handcuffs off, you blundering idiots. Yes, sir. Right over this way, Mr. Pincus. If you're going to print my story in the paper, maybe you'd like this picture of my wife. Why, Mr. Pincus, how thoughtful of you. A very, very yes. handsome woman. Thank you. Well, you. Get on that phone. Hello,
6: Duffy. Listen, Turn out that whole front page. Yes, tear it out again. Oh, Hildy, are we
4: really going to New York this time?
2: You know we are, darling. Why? I wouldn't let him stay. Go on, Hildy. Before I make you city editor. Hurry up, Peggy. Better get that train. He means it. Any objections to my kissing the bride? No. Go ahead. Kiss the guy, Mrs. Johnson. I wish there was time to get you a little wedding present, but... Wait a minute. This watch of mine... Oh, no, Walter. You make me feel like the bride. Ah, uh, shut up. It was a present from the big boss himself. If you look inside, you'll find a little inscription. to the best. Newspaper man I know. When you get to New York, Hildy, you can scratch out my name and put yours in its place, if you want to.
4: Oh, you know I wouldn't do that. Oh, go on, Hildy, if Mr. Burns wants you to, you don't want to hurt his feelings.
2: Well, this is the first and last thing I ever got from a newspaper. Oh.
4: Well, goodbye, Mr. Burns. You know, I always had a queer opinion of you, Mr. Burns. I still think you're a little peculiar, and so does Mother. But you're all right. There, underneath, I mean. I think you're a peach.
2: So are you. You look just like a little flower.
3: <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> you big fat Bye. Goodbye.
2: Hello. Hello, Duffy. What's the first stop of the 1240 to New York? That's right. I want you to send a wire to the chief of police. Tell him to meet that train and arrest Hilde Johnson and bring him back here. Wire him a full description. The dirty bum stole my watch. Only a little more than a generation ago, druggists had to compound many doctors' prescriptions from natural products purchased in such crude forms as roots, bark, leaves, and seeds. There was no other way. But today, your pharmacist starts his work with drugs which have already been scientifically purified and refined for him. First to produce many such drugs, the House of Squibb has played a vital part in the swift development of the profession of pharmacy. And so today, the uniformity, purity, and efficacy of many prescribed medicines can be traced to the uniformity, purity, and efficacy of the squib products used in their making. Your pharmacist, like your doctor, knows from daily experience how much squib standards of quality mean to the cause of human health. He knows that every product bearing the squib name is the result of a quest for perfection that never ceases. That's why squib is a name you can trust. (laughs) Next week, another great picture. The House of Squibb will present Academy Awards starring Frederick Martin in A Star is Born. Today's performance of Front Page was written for radio by Frank Wilson, with an original musical score composed and conducted by Lee Stevens. Our producer-director is Dee Angelbach. Pat O'Brien, whose performance you enjoyed today as Hildy Johnson, is soon to be seen in RKO's production, Crack Up. Adolph who played the part of Walter Burns, may currently be seen in Sam Wood's RKO production, Heartbeat. This is Hugh Grundy bidding you goodnight until next week at the same time... When you are invited to listen again to Academy of Lore, presented by the House of Squibb, a name you can trust.
3: This is CBS The Broadcasting System.
0: Alright, was that that cool? Did you notice how they made the relationship between Hildy and Mr. Burns a little more cordial in the very beginning? Not that that lasts. Or how about the uh, that a lot of the relationship between Hildy and Peggy gets truncated? And the role of Molly Malloy, the big-hearted prostitute? Completely deleted. Now, next up, oh, this is a good one. Humphrey Bogart, Sidney Greenstreet, and Mary Astor recreate their roles for the Maltese Falcon. Now, it's been years since I've watched the film, so I'm not exactly sure what's been cut to shorten the story. What is here is a quick and exciting detective drama. I think this is my favorite between the two.
2: The House of Squibb presents Academy Awards. Every week, Squibb brings you Hollywood's finest the great picture plays, the great actors and actresses. Techniques and skills chosen from the honor roll of those who have won or been nominated for the famous Golden Oscar of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And now, E.R. Squibb and Sons, Manufacturing chemist to the medical profession since 1858, bring you the distinguished star, Mr. Humphrey Bogart, who as Best Actor of the Year was nominated for the 1943 Academy Award. You will also hear Miss Mary Astor, who won the 1941 Academy Award as Best Supporting Actress of the Year, and Sidney Greenstreet, who was nominated for the 1941 Academy Award as Best Supporting Actor. Tonight, Mr. Bogart, Miss Astor, and Mr. Greenstreet will play the famous roles they created for the screen in The Maltese Falcon, the thrilling mystery which was nominated as Best Production of the Year for the 1941 Academy Award. My name is Spade, Sam Spade. License number 357896 issued by the Police Department of San Francisco. Occupation, private detective. Sometimes known as private eye. My files in the case of the Maltese Falcon are closed, but I've got the Maltese Falcon. I got it and some dough. My partner got murdered and a very slick chick went up for life. I'll tell you about it. (laughs) This slick dame comes to see me one day, gives me a song and dance about her sister and a guy called Floyd Thursby. She wants us to get her sister back before her mother and father get in from Hawaii. I put my partner, Miles Archer, on the case. At night, he gets murdered. And so does this guy, Thursby. I go round to the apartment where the dame is living, the one called Bridget O'Shaughnessy. (laughs) She had something I seemed to go for.
6: Oh, Mr. Spade, come in.
2: I have come in. (laughs)
6: Oh, yes, so you have. Mr. Spade, am I to blame for last
2: night? You warned us that Thursby was dangerous. Of course, you lied to us about your sister and all that, but that doesn't count. We didn't believe you.
6: Oh, help me, Mr. Spade. I I need help so badly. I've no right to ask you, but I do ask you. Help me.
2: (laughs) You won't need much of anybody's help. You're good. You're awful good. It's chiefly your eyes, I think, and that throb you get into your voice when you say things like... Help me, Mr. Spade. I deserve that.
6: But, oh, the lie was in the way I said it, and not at all in what I said. If I'm
2: going to help you, I've got to have some sort of a line on your Floyd Thursby.
6: I met him in the Orient. We came here from Hong Kong last week.
2: Did he kill Archer? Yes, certainly. Picked a nice sort of playmate.
6: Only that sort could have helped me if if he had been loyal.
2: How bad a hole are you actually in?
6: As bad as could be.
2: Physical danger?
6: I'm not heroic. I don't think there's anything worse than death. And it's that? It's that as surely as we're sitting here. Unless you help me.
2: Who killed Thursby? Your enemies or his?
6: I don't know. His, I suppose. I'm afraid. I I don't know.
2: Who are these enemies?
6: Well, there's a small, dark man with white teeth and a smooth, dangerous, fat man. Oh, this
2: is hopeless. Well, how much money have you got?
6: I have about $500 left.
2: Give it to me. There's only 400 here.
6: I had to keep some to live on.
2: Okay. I'll be back as soon as I can. You needn't come to the door with me. I can let myself out. I went by the office then and found a dark little guy with very white teeth waiting for me. His name was Joel Cairo. He was a Greek. Mr. Spade,
5: I'm trying to recover an an
2: ornament that has been, shall we say, mislaid. I thought and hoped you could assist me. Uh-huh. The ornament is a statuette. The black figure of a bird. I'm prepared to pay the sum of $5,000 for its recovery. And no questions asked. 5000 is a lot of money. It's a very interesting figure. You will isn't... put your hands together the back of your neck, Mr. Spade. Huh? Oh, sure. I shall shoot you if you try to stop me, Mr. Spade. But I must search your office. Well, you won't find anything but a pair of worn-out rubbers, a half pint of rum, and a pack of chewing gum. We shall see. Please stand up. So. Sure. This way? No, the other way. Sure. I'll take the gun, Mr. Cairo. Now get up.
5: I am very slow in things like that, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: I'm still prepared to pay $5,000 for the return of the figure. Do you have it, Mr. Spade? No. If it is not here... Why did you just risk serious injury to prevent my searching for it? Well, I should sit around and let people come in and stick me up. You wish some
5: assurance of my sincerity? A retainer?
2: I might. Say, $100? Oh, you better make it 200 Thanks. Your first guess was that I had the bird. What's your second guess? That you know where it is, or where you can get it. Now, you're not hiring me to murder or do burglary, but to get back the figure in some lawful way. Say, from a dame with red hair or a smooth, dangerous fat man. Oh, so you know. You must beware of them. They would stop at nothing. May, may I have my pistol now? <laughs> oh Yeah, yeah, sure. I'd forgotten it. Thank you. Now, Mr. Spade, you will kindly clasp your hands behind your neck. What the... <laughs> Don't move, Mr. Spade. <laughs> this time I might shoot. I insist <laughs> on searching your office. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. I finally got rid of the Greek and started back for Bridges' apartment. Matter of fact, I had a hunch that the Greek was going there himself and started to tail his cab when a sad-faced guy poked something into my back and said... Come on. The fat man wants to see you. Here he is, Mr. Gutman. The guy who was talking to the dame and the Greek. Ah, oh, Mr. Speed. Mr. Gutman? We begin well, sir. I distrust the man who talks too much. I like to talk. Of course, talking something you can't do judiciously unless you keep in practice. Yeah. Now, sir, we'll talk if you like. And I'll tell you right out that I'm a man who likes talking to a man who likes to talk. Well, will we talk about the blackbird? You're the man for me, sir. No beating about the bush right to the point. Let us talk about the blackbird by all means. Mr. Spade, have you any conception of how much money can be got for that blackbird? No. Well, sir, if I told you, if I told you half, you'd call me a liar. No, no, not even if I thought so. But you just tell me what it is and I'll figure out the profits. You mean you don't know what that bird is? Well, I know what it's supposed to look like. I know the value in human life you people put on it. So Shaughnessy didn't tell you what it is? And Cairo didn't either? He offered me 10000 for it. $10,000? <laughs> and dollars, mind you, are not even pounds. They must know what it is. Or do they? What is your impression? I can't tell. They're both lying. If they don't know, I'm the only one in the whole life, sweet world. who does. swell. When you've told me, that'll make two of us. Mathematically correct, sir. But I don't know for certain that I'm going to tell you. Oh, don't be foolish. You know what it is, I know where it is. That's why I'm here. Where, well, sir? Where is it? <laughs> don't be silly. You see, I am silly silly what I know, but you will not tell me what you know. That is hardly equitable, sir. No, no. I don't think we can do business along those lines. Yeah, well, think again and think fast. I can get along without you and keep that gunsel away from me while you're making up your mind. I'll kill him. Well, sir, I must say you're the most violent, temp- Well, what are you wasting time for? You've got a 5.30, then you're either in or out for Keith. Three characters and a black bird. Well, all I knew was my partner was dead and the cops were getting very uncooperative about the whole thing, including who killed Floyd Thursby. I thought I'd better get back to see that O'Shaughnessy dame before it was too late. And sure enough, it almost was.
6: They came here and took him away.
2: Took who away? Who?
6: The police. They they wanted to talk to you, too. They took Mr. Cairo with them. What
2: was he doing here?
6: He came to talk about the bird.
2: What is this bird, this falcon that everybody's all steamed up about?
6: Suppose I wouldn't tell you anything at all about it. What would you do? Something wild and unpredictable? Maybe. Well, it's a black figure, as you know. Smooth and shiny of a bird, a hawk or falcon about 12 inches high.
2: Now, what makes it so important?
6: I don't know. They wouldn't tell me. But they promised me 500 pounds if I helped them get it from the man who had it. Go ahead. They promised me 500 pounds to help them, and I did. Then we found that Joel Cairo was going to take the falcon and desert Floyd and me... So we did that to Joel first.
2: You are a liar.
6: I am a liar. I've always been a liar.
2: Oh, don't brag about it. Is there any truth at all in that yarn?
6: Some. Not very much.
2: Well, we've got plenty of time. I'll put some coffee on and we'll try again.
6: Oh, I'm so tired. So tired of lying and thinking up lies and... not knowing what is a lie and what is the truth. Oh, darling, don't stare at me like that. Come closer, darling.
2: It is something to do while waiting. Why not?
6: Kiss me, Sam Spade. Kiss me. Why not?
2: That happens every time. I'll get it.
6: Be careful, darling.
2: Okay. Come on, you. He wants to see you. Well, if it isn't the fat man's killer. Hello, pale face. How many did you bump off today? Shut up. Cupman's waiting for Are you. No kidding. What capture?
6: Darling, what did he
2: want? He wants me. The fat man's been thinking things over. Well, Mr. Spade, I must apologize for sending for you in this fashion. Now, never mind. Let's talk about the bird. All right, let's. What do you think of the order of the Hospital of St. John of Jerusalem? Crusaders or something, weren't they? Very good. In 1539, these crusading knights persuaded Emperor Charles V to give them the island of Malta. He made but one condition. They were to pay him each year the tribute of a falcon, in acknowledgment that the Malta was still under Spain. Do you follow me? Yeah. Have you any conception of the extreme and measurable wealth of the order of that time? Well, I imagine they were pretty well fixed. They were rolling in wealth, sir. They hit upon the happy thought of sending the emperor for the first year's tribute, not an insignificant live bird. The glorious golden falcon, encrusted from head to foot with the finest jewels in their coffers. Allow me to replenish your drink, sir. Well, what do you think of these knights? I don't know. Well, sir, the glorious falcon never eats Spain. Buccaneers raided the galleon. In 1713, the bird showed up in Sicily. In 1840, in Paris... And it had by that time acquired a coat of black enamel, looking like nothing but a fairly interesting black statue. In 1923, a Greek dealer found it in an obscure Paris shop. He knew what it was. I heard about it in London and rushed over to buy it. But the Greek was murdered and the falcon gone. That was 23 years ago. For 23 years, I searched for the bird. I traced it to the home of a Russian general, Kamedov. But he wouldn't sell, even though he knew nothing of its value. I was forced to send my agents after it. They got it, sir. But I haven't got it. But I'm going to get it, sir. Um, how soon can you, um, How soon are you willing to produce the Falcon? Uh, a couple of days. That is satisfactory. Well, sir, here's a fair bargain and profits large enough for both of us. Oh, uh, what's your idea of a fair bargain? Should I say 100,000? Why not? What did you say to a quarter of a million? Oh, then you think the dingus is worth a million, huh? No? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Say, I... I feel kind of funny, Gutman. That drink. My dear man, how could you suggest anything so crude? I... I... Wilma, uh... mm-hmm. Wilma. Yeah. The drink got him, huh? Put your guns away, Wilma. You must learn to be subtle in these things, like me. Hot like a light, huh? If I owe him something to Loss, he thinks he's tough. Let's see if he can take this. <laughs> That's enough, Wilma. You've kicked him enough. It would never do to kill him here. Besides, Wilma, you know how I hate the sight of blood. I guess the name of Sam Spade was a cinch for the back page obituaries, but I came out of it somehow and managed to get up and stagger out of that apartment. I went around to the hotel where Joel Cairo had a room and made a deal with a house dick to let me search it. All I could find was a newspaper in the wastebasket folded back to the steamship news. It was a list of arrivals and one was marked. It said, seven a.m. The La Paloma from Hong Kong. That was good enough for me. I got a cab and rode down to the docks. The La Paloma was on fire and burning beautifully. I went back to my office to hold my aching head and think things over when the door opened. a tall guy in a long black overcoat stood there with a package in his hands, making gurgling noises before he fell like a tree. He should have. He was dead. I took a good look at him. He was the maid off the La Paloma. I unwrapped his package and there it was. The black bird, the Maltese falcon. I grabbed the phone and listened. It was Bridget Asanasi, and she said she was in trouble. I found her shivering in a dark corner of an office building. I took her and the falcon home to my apartment. I put her on the couch. I put the falcon in the icebox where no one would think to look for anything, including ice. I came back in and switched on the lights and found a surprise party waiting to greet me. Well, sir, we're all here. Now let's sit down and be comfortable and talk. Sure. Get away from me, Gunchel. You're not going to frisk me. Stand still. Shut up. Put your paw on me and I'm going to make you use that gun. Ask your boss if he wants me shut up before we talk. Never mind, Wilma. You're certainly a most headstrong individual, Mr. Spade. Well, let's be seated. You too, Cairo. You can put down your gun, too. Of course, Mr. Spade. I was only using caution, as it were. You ready, Gutman? Are you ready to make the first payment and take the falcon off my hands? Well, sir, as to that, here are $10,000, sir. Oh, we were talking about more money than this. Yes, sir, we were. (laughs) But this is genuine coin of the realm, sir. With a dollar of this, you can buy $10 of talk. Besides, there more of us should be taken care of now. That may be, but I've got the falcon. I should not think it would be necessary to remind you, Mr. Spade, that though you may have the falcon... Yet we certainly have you. Yes, I'm trying not to let that worry me. We'll come to the money later. There's another thing to be taken care of first. We've got to have a fall guy. The police have to have a victim. Somebody they can stick for those three murders. Two. Only two murders, Mr. Spade. Thursby undoubtedly killed your partner. All right, two. What difference does it make? The point is, we've got to give the police... Come, come, Mr. Spade. You can't expect us to believe at this late date. You are the least afraid of the police... Oh, that you're not, not able to hang. I'm up to my neck, Gutman. I've got to come through with somebody, a victim, when the time comes. If I don't, I'll be it. Let's give him the gun, He actually did shoot Thursby and the other one, didn't he? Anyway, he's made to order for the part. Let's turn him over to the cops. Get up on your feet. I've taken all the riding from you I'm going to take. Get up. Shoot it out. No, 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 don't shoot. There. There, gunsel, that'll take care of you. Put him on the sofa. Sorry, Bridget, but you seem to have recovered.
6: I'm, I'm all right.
2: Good. Well, gentlemen, there's our fall guy. And now, gentlemen, you agree or I'll turn the falcon and the whole lot of you in. Mr. Spade, I don't like this. What if we uh, took matters into our own hands and killed you? You won't, or you'll never find the falcon. True, but there are other ways we could make you talk. No, I'd take it and make you kill me and then you'd end up the same way. (laughs) Oh, I believe you would, too. (laughs) Well? I've always felt toward Wilmer like a father. But you can have him. Swell, let's get the details fixed. Why did he shoot Thursby? Thursby was Miss O'Shaughnessy's ally. We thought in disposing of him, we would teach Miss O'Shaughnessy to patch up her differences with us regarding the fork. And the mate from the La Paloma. That was Miss O'Shaughnessy's fault. (gasps) Cairo got in touch with me when he saw the notice of the ship's arrival. He remembered that the mate and Miss O'Shaughnessy had been friendly in Hong Kong. He called on this man, but he with Miss O'Shaughnessy and the bird slipped through our fingers. We followed them to her apartment and Wilmer shot the mate as he was coming down the fire escape. He shot him many times, but the man was tough and he did not drop the falcon. We um, persuaded Miss O'Shaughnessy to call your office, but unfortunately she did not call in time to prevent you from meeting the mate and getting the falcon. I see. And now, sir, would it be presumptuous if we asked to see the falcon? Okay, it's in my icebox. Icebox, I see. Oh, you are a character, sir. Yes, very, very clever of you, very. I've got it, I've got it. Bring it in here at once. Here, right in this. Now, after 23 years... It, it. Will you make sure. Give me your knife, sir. Here. I peel off some of this disfiguring enamel. All right, O'Shaughnessy, you've had your little joke. Now tell us about no,
6: it. No, Sam, no. That's the one I got from the Russian, I swear.
2: You bungled it, Guthrie. You and your stupid attempt to buy it. The Russian caught on how valuable
5: it was. No wonder we had so little trouble stealing it. You imbecile. You bloated
3: idiot.
2: Yes. This is the Russian's hand. There's no doubt of it. Well, sir, what do you suggest? Shall we stand here and shed tears and call each other names? Or shall we go to Istanbul and interview our Russian friend? Go to Istanbul. For twenty-three years, I have wanted that little item and have been trying to get it. If I must spend another year on the quest, well, that will be an added expenditure in time only. I'll go with you. We must go. On. We must go. On. So he has. That makes it imperative that we go too. Oh, by the way, sir, I'll trouble you for my envelope containing the ten thousand dollars. I kept my end of the bargain, but. I'll settle for a thousand for expenses. Thank you. I'll allow you the thousand. That'll take care of my time. Now, sir, we'll say goodbye to you unless you care to undertake the Istanbul expedition with us. You don't? That's too bad. Well, sir, the shortest farewells are best. Adieu. And to you, Miss O'Shaughnessy, I leave the rare abyss there on the table as a little memento, the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> Honestly, talk. Where should I begin? You came to me and asked me to have Thursby followed. I put my partner on it. He followed Thursby. He was killed. You must have told Thursby he was being followed.
6: I told him, yes, but please believe me, Sam. I wouldn't have told him if I'd thought Floyd Thursby would kill your partner.
2: Miles hadn't many brains, but he had too many years' experience as a detective to be caught like that by a man he was shadowing up a blind alley with his gun tucked away and his hip and his overcoat buttoned. But it would have gone up there with you, Angel. He was just dumb enough for that. And then you could have stood as close to him in the dark as you liked and put a bullet through him.
6: Don't, don't talk like that to me, Sam. You know I didn't know... Stop it. Why did you shoot him? I I didn't mean to at first. I I can't look at you and tell you this, truth. You thought Thursby
2: would tackle him. If he got Thursby, then you were rid of him. If Thursby won, you had something on him. Enough to be rid of him for good. Wasn't that it?
6: Something like that.
2: But when Thursby backed down, you took the gun and did the job yourself.
6: Oh, Sam, sweetheart, from the very first instant I saw you, I knew.
2: You angel... Well, if you get a good break, you'll be out of San Quentin in 20 years, and you can come back to me then. I hope they don't hang you, precious, by that sweet neck.
6: You know deep down in your heart that in spite of anything I've done, I love you.
2: I don't care who loves who. I'm not going to play the sap for you. I won't walk in Thursby's, and I don't know how many others' footsteps. You killed my partner, and you're going over for it. Why
6: well, must you do this to me, Sam? Surely your partner wasn't as much to you Listen, but... listen to me.
2: This won't do any good. You'll never understand me, but I'll try once and then give it up. Listen. When a man's partner is killed, he's supposed to do something about it. And it happens we're in the detective business. Well, when one of your organization gets killed, it's bad business to let the killer get away with it. Bad all around. Bad for every detective everywhere.
6: You can't send me to the... Sam, you can't. You love me. You love me.
2: Maybe I do. What of it? Maybe next month I won't. I've been through it before. I'll have some rotten nights after I've sent you over, but that'll pass. I want you, sure, but I won't take you at the price because all of me wants to, regardless of consequences. Because you counted on that with me the same as you counted on that with all the others.
6: Sam, darling, kiss me, kiss me.
2: Sure. Sure, baby.
6: What are you doing? Who are you calling?
2: The cops, baby. The cops to come and take you away. This is Hugh Sunday. bidding you good night until next Wednesday at the same time. When you're invited to listen again to Academy Awards, presented by the House of Squibb, a name you can trust. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting
0: Well, if I were going to give some ratings on these, I think three oathful for through the front page. It's a fun story, but I missed Lewis Milestone's camera work and sight gags. For the Maltese Falcon, hmm... I'm going to go, I'm giving this one a solid five, I think. Uh, Bogart just shines, I mean, like he often does. And I think he works the radio maybe even a little better than he does the screen. Everyone in the cast does a spectacular job of kind of giving motion to this radio show. I mean, you get a sense of the people moving around and interacting, even though you know they're all probably just standing around a couple microphones. Yeah, this is one of the best acted radio plays I've heard. Well, listen, that's going to be it for this month. I Hopefully you had a fun listen. I, I love this style of radio, and I'm was just i always thrilled to be able to share such excellent examples of it with you. I want to thank you very much for listening and downloading Orphan Entertainment, and I hope you continue to do so. We really appreciate it. We love all the seeing the numbers and all the subscribers, and we look forward to coming back next month where Lydia and I are going to be just discussing Rock Hudson in 1976's Embryo. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be up on the YouTube page. Check it out. It's an it's, it's a neat film, and I think Lydia and I are going to have a ball talking about it. We'll talk to you then. Bye.